is Taylor Clement. I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. Each fall, the KDS administration and teachers will attend a conference called the CESA Conference. This is a national conference, also known as the Council for Educational Standards and Accountability, which brings the top Christian schools in the nation together, as well as the top thought leaders for Christian education together. It's a really great conference. We get to hear from a lot of very prominent people throughout the nation. And it's one of those things that you come away with realizing we still have a lot of work to do, even if, if there's a lot of great things already taking place at Kirk Day School. It gives us a really great national picture. Of course, this year we were not able to go because of COVID, but we were able to participate in a e-symposium, we'll say, where our keynote speakers as well as the other breakout session uh, group leaders have put together an online format to attend these talks and they've been really great and our faculty have, have had more exposure to this because of that. But this year, uh, one of the keynote speakers was Michael Keller. He is the senior pastor at Redeemer uh, Lincoln Square in New York City and he has a talk that um, Maria and I will talk about today called Our Identity. The Christian alternative to modern culture. So Maria, start and just kind of tell us what is this talk about and why do you think we need to bring this up in a podcast? Yeah, so um, Michael goes through kind of the five overarching beliefs that our culture has and he, he made a really interesting point in the beginning that, that these are not arguments because they're so ingrained to how we think and how we operate that this is just what we assume about life as 21st century americans as 21st century christians and a lot of these things go against or at odds or um, we find space where it's it doesn't match up with our biblical perspective um, and so we're going to go through each of these um, you know, in, in a more magnified version in each podcast coming up, but I'll just list the five real quick and Please. then we can go from there. So um, identity, you have to be true to yourself. Number two, freedom. I should be free to live as I wish as long as I harm no one. Happiness. In the end, you have to do what makes you happy and not sacrifice it for anyone. Number four, power. All culture, politics, religion, law, education, the arts is really about who wields power. And number five, history. You have to be on the right side of history, which is bending towards justice and away from religion. And so in his talk, in his conversation, he breaks down these five. And again, this is not an argument on, you know, um, whether or not these things are true. These are so much a part of our culture right. that we believe them as assumptions without even thinking. Uh, and so we're going to talk today mostly about identity um, and kind of where we see that you have to be true to yourself, come up in culture. And to be honest, where some of that is, is there's good in that in some ways, but it also maybe uh, conflicts at times with what we believe uh, as Christians. Well, and part of the mission of the school, obviously, is to partner with parents. Our mission of the podcast is to be a part of this partnership to nurture, educate, and equip. And we try to focus on one of those three pillars each, each time we're on here. Today is really the education. Number one, we want to share with you what we're learning uh, as educators and, and as leaders in the school. 
but then also to, to you know recycle that and regurgitate that to, to give to you as parents of what we're seeing as well. I want to make sure that we're very clear. Uh, our, our discussion today comes from this talk by Michael Keller. This is this is his content. We're just discussing it uh, to give you um, some feedback. If you want to look him up uh, again, Redeemer, uh, Lincoln Square in New York City. And uh, I think this is incredibly applicable. Typically, we don't just, we might review a book or something. Today, we're kind of really opening this talk up. But I think it is so applicable to where we are because we're getting ready to go through an election, mm -hmm. an election that is very tenuous right now nationally. It's very tenuous right now, even within our county and city uh, due to different or ordinances and things. The other side of that, though, is I I do believe that regardless of the outcome of November 3rd, where we are, and we're recording today on October 28th, that America will still feel very fractured and perhaps uncertain mm -hmm. as to who will become our next president. Or even if there is some certainty, there might be court battles and the like, and we'll see some, some rioting, some not my president, um, maybe reactions, or maybe it will be a different type of reaction, this time a new movement. And we'll see that, and, and where have these really fermented over the last four to eight to maybe 12 years within our political cycles. And I think these themes typically go there. And so as we go into early November, and then eventually we'll begin talking about some of the things with Christmas as we typically do, it's going to be incredibly impactful. And so we wanna just throw this out to you as parents as how, how to do this and, and some things uh, to think about. But let's start with, um, just this a theme on identity. And before we go there, I, I want to read um, a passage that, that he reads. And I think this is incredibly uh, impactful, but that is Romans 12, 1 through 2, which says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And that's really where the, the genesis of this takes place. So Maria, let's start, let's start with this, uh, with identity. Yeah, so his main point in, in short was our culture tells us that you have to be true to, to who you are. You have to discover yourself and you get to define yourself. You that do is, you. You do you um, is, is a great kind of cultural thing right. that, that we um, say often. And, and when I think about this, you know, this definitely is a postmodern thought. When you think about kind of the, the history that our society has taken, that, that we have moved a lot away from institutions being supreme and looking to them for guidance and now we are looking more to ourselves for that guidance and when I think about that on a practical level um, you know I have a three-year-old and just by her living in this world she is getting this message that she gets to define who she is she gets to decide what she wants and there's like some really good like there's good to that like I totally believe right. in, in giving her choices within boundaries, but um, our culture has kind of erased those boundaries and said, you get to decide everything about you um, all the time. And it can change. You know, if, if one day you want to be this way and 
tomorrow you wake up and feel something different, you can be that way. Right. And part of what I also think he points out, he said, look, Christian beliefs have been the backbone of Western society and law. And he's right about this. Mm -hmm. For modernity, and I would say 1453 on, Christian principles have definitely shaped modern democratic and, and even sub-democratic or, or alt-democratic types of worlds that have been created even within you know different forms of government. But they have been ultimately the backbone of these beliefs, and, and we, we can acknowledge that on a very secular level. But the idea of being true to yourself is really interesting. Um, one of the things that, that he also points out, and I think this is, this is great in being a history person myself, uh, I would love to say historian, but I don't think anybody would actually allow me, despite that I have a degree in history. But historically, he said, if you take the outside world, this is going to get a little deep. So the outside world, meaning everything but the individual. The outside world was fact, and the inside world was opinion. And he lists off you know, different philosophers and things that, that is saying. So basically, an example that, that Maria, you and I talked about was that if I said, well, you know, that, that couch over there is brown, you would say, mm, it's actually blue, mm -hmm. but because you think it's brown, it's brown. Now, if we lined up 10 other people and they all said it's blue, what is, you know, the rest of the world would say, no, it's a blue couch. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten to this place where we, all, we give this allowance for the individual. Well, that's not, that's not right, it's not proper. It's, it's not one of those things that, that can really be perpetuated, especially as you're helping young a, or mold a young mind and a young heart. Mm -hmm. And so we can't just adjust to the individual at all times or we're going to be doing a much greater disservice to the community as a whole and, and so there's this this balance of this of how do you be true to yourself without it being one of those things where everybody else begins to to wane and and falter well and I think then the question becomes you know as you're saying that well why is it bad if we're true to ourselves, if we rely on ourself for identity and, you know, I go back to the biblical framework that we have, which is God is the creator and we are the creatures. And what this belief system of you being true to yourself, you getting to define yourself, what that does is that flips it, that it flips that biblical framework on its head, right? That now, no, you are the creator of you you are the one that gets to decide and we're not meant like that's not how we were created so we're going against our nature um and we were created and, and i will say this we were created to submit yes yeah we were created to submit to god's authority and one of the things in the beliefs of the crook of the hills presbyterian church and i'll say this as an elder n number one in our belief is god's authority we believe in god's authority mm -hmm. now I want, to be, I want to preface this and, and qualify this talk. We are going to talk about some things that will feel very political. Our goal here is not to be political. Our goal here is to look at these themes through the grid of a Christian worldview and through the grid of Scripture. And it's going to come out one way or the other, and you can take it as politics, and that's fine. And if you want to contact us um, and discuss this individually, parents, Please do. Like this is this is an outflow of who we are. Our goal is not to say, well, Kirk Day School is going to take a, a stand on 
this party's platform. Our goal is to take a stand, though, on what Scripture says, mm-hmm. and that. And so, I want to I want to preface um, these examples that we're getting ready to talk about uh, with with that yeah. in mind. But yes, we are created to submit to God's authority. And if you look, I mean, that's why we have captains on on sports teams. That's why we have coaches. That's why we have teachers. That's why we have leaders and people who do different jobs and lead. And there are people that we need, and we need to be good followers. Mm-hmm. We need people to be good leaders. And right? that ultimately then rests on, well, what do we believe about authority, which we're going to talk more about power <laughs> right. in another right. in another section. But I will say, you know, the Bible and, and God's authority is one that is perfectly just, just has perfect justice, has perfect mercy, yeah. Um, has perfect grace, and none of our systems here have that, which yeah, is what's yeah. so hard about living in this world, right, is that we have within us this desire and this knowledge of, like, this is not the way that it's supposed to be. But So then we try and find these ways to fill that void, and it just doesn't fit. There's a Puritan minister named Samuel Rutherford, and yes, I'm throwing out the Puritans the week of Halloween, which is very <laughs> ironic, but... Um, but he has this great quote, and he says, you know, the greatest temptation this side of eternity is to live without trials. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and he goes on to, to talk about how Satan wants us to think mm-hmm. we are going to live without trials. Mm-hmm. And when we are building up with this media inertia to an election, it's a big deal. Like, we think about, you know, what are we going to do? Well, we're taking off next Tuesday so everybody can vote. I'll probably stay up watching election results. Whether I care about a candidate or not, it's a fascinating mm-hmm. process, and it's exciting, and there is excitement with that. And, but there will be trials. And we, the reason that we're so involved in this is because whether or not we would admit it, we do look to that office to give us guidance. Yes. Um, and we can disagree on whether or not we think it's good guidance, but ultimately what we can say is that wherever we land politically, like we do look to that office office for guidance. That's why it's so important to us. Um, and you know, it, that, that reminds me of a quote um, that the author of the book, Knight, uh, uh, L.A. Weisel. Yes, L, yes. Says that, you know, um, the opposite, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but the opposite of, of love is not hate, it's indifference. Yeah. And when we get to this point where we don't really care, like, that's what's so challenging. Right. right, and that's what feels like hate is when it's just like, eh, I don't care, whatever. Right, um, and and there's part of me that sees that within our culture of because we're trying to search for this, who do we look for to give us our identity? Well, and part of the part of this this question, and again, we'll talk about power another time, is do our political leaders align with what I identify myself mm-hmm. as? So going back to this phrase of identity, we have to see whether or not we're elevating ourselves or the individual above this outside sphere. Again, outside used to be fact, and now it's inside. Mm-hmm. And, and we can kind of identify as a man or a woman. We can identify as, as really anything we want to identify as. And I, you know, I joke, as I did as the last podcast, I identify as a baby boomer. I'm not born as a baby boomer. Now, I say that tongue-in-cheek because I'm definitely an old man at heart. But we have to make sure that we identify, at least within ourselves, that we are fragile, broken beings. And that is part of our theology. We believe this. We know that Scripture says we are created in the image of God, but we are not perfect because of the fall. Jesus came to redeem that. So what does that mean about how we identify? Well, 
frankly, our identifying is false and it yeah. is broken. Yeah, and, and you know, he mentions this at his intro as he says, you know, and, and this is what I did when I was on staff with um, Campus Crusade is I'd sit down with someone, start to have a spiritual conversation with them. Um, and one of the, the things that I would go through is the four spiritual laws. And one of the laws is that you are sinful and broken and in need of God's redemption, right? And I would draw the bridge and this is you and this is, you know, God and we need Jesus to bridge us. And one of his points in this in this conversation, and partly because of where we seek our identity, is that our culture has started to say we no longer need God to lead a full, health, healthy, happy life. We can look to ourself for that. Um, and our culture has said, wait, wait a second, you, you're telling me that there's something wrong with me? How yeah. dare you tell me that there's something wrong with you? Right. That there's something wrong with me? No, 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 no. That's, that's not what our culture says anymore, which is makes the conversation then about your need for for forgiveness a lot harder. And and I would then ask the question also, regardless of religion, right, regardless of that, morality takes humility. It does. Right? And if you don't have humility, then you're not going to have morality. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not I'm not a philosopher and I'm I can pontificate, but I can typically do that about nothing. But in this case, if you want to have with with an atheist, you know, someone versus a believer, ultimately we can probably agree that it's not right to kill. Sure. Right? It is not right to take to take human life with our own judgment and, and everything else. But where does that come? It, then the question becomes, well, is it though? Well, what if? And we yeah. begin we begin to to have all these excuses. But let's let's get into some examples yeah. though that that really um, we think come out of this identity. One of the things that our kids get all the time is the great message from Disney, from really any um, children's programming, and that is follow your heart. Yes, follow your heart. Be the captain of your own sea. Um, yeah, fill in the blank there with do what you want to do. You can be anything that that you want to be. Even that phrase, which I feel like as a child of the, you know, 90s and early 2000s, like that was the phrase. You can do anything that you set your mind to. You can be right. anything that you set your mind to, which there is good to that. Like that is not all bad. Right. Right. There is um, there's a lot of good to that. But when we when we look at that without the framework of the biblical narrative, that's sometimes where, where it can create some challenges interpersonally. So to, to give an example of that, um, you know, another, another phrase would be the heart wants what the heart wants, going to a more adult setting, right? And the fact is, um, and, and Michael Keller uses this as an example, and, and I would say I've seen this done many times, I mean... I want to I want to be something, right? My heart wants something, but what my heart wants is not always what's best. Yeah, right? and and it changes, right? Uh yeah, my heart changes. Yeah, like there right? are some mornings where I wake up and I'm like I'm really motivated to work out and eat right. And then there are other mornings where I wake up and I'm like, man, a donut, a cheeseburger, and you know pizza sound really great for my meals today like our hearts are conflicted and our hearts change right and guess what doesn't scripture the lord right he is the same 
today, yesterday, and forever. And so we we know that about about the Lord. You know, and there's been a few few different ad campaigns, and, and one of them there there was a Pepsi commercial a few years ago that was live for now, right? And it showed all these people, and like the goal was just to live for now. And again, this is that follow your heart. This is you know, you just be true to yourself, live for now. And that again is it's being saturated in media and it was this big ad campaign that they did and that's what our kids are, are, are hitting, mm-hmm. right? Or being hit with rather. Mm-hmm. But they're not just using just random people. They they begin to throw stars into that. Mm-hmm. You you begin to, to have all these different types of people that are pouring into it from seniors to sports to, to movie mm-hmm. stars, etc. You know, the, the Oscars have become really, instead of an award ceremony, a political platform. Yeah. And, and we hear that, and, and we, we all get tired of it for this, that, and the other. But the part of the reason, though, is we continue to hear these, these messages that are all trying to point at the same thing, and they never land. And I think more than anything now, more than any other time in history, we have access to those people in a way that we have never had access to them before. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's a major change for our kids is, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have social media. So if I wanted to, um, if, if I wanted to know something about somebody, like I'd have to watch TV and wait for an interview to come on, right? When NSYNC came out with their album, it's like I, my parents allowed me to watch MTV um, for that time that they were on TRL. And that was my only access to them. Yeah. Now, like I can follow, I do follow Justin Timberlake on Instagram. And he, you know, he has a social media presence where he allows me into his life a little bit more. And he's actually very vocal um, on Instagram. But I say that to say like, our kids are not just getting influenced now by our teachers or by their friends about about things, you know, there's people that are like actually in your life able to touch you. It's like, very siloed. Yeah, it's very siloed and it's all the time. Right. I mean, it's any time they pick well, up Well, and we've phone. gone, and let, let me clarify, we've gone from it being siloed where you've had, let's say, three adult touch points and then maybe some media programming in the afternoon sure. to a saturation today where kids are getting it from five different outlets in, in their day-to-day life, but then they get it from a hundred different outlets on their social media life yeah. and and then and I I've seen this as the Netflix deal and I've talked about it before is when our kids sit down and we used to watch reruns you might get two mm-hmm. in a row right mm-hmm. and you were really really lucky if that first half hour was a to be continued episode yeah. you got the yeah. following one instead of having to wait till the next day yeah right but today if it's to be continued Netflix will just play it for you yeah and so we get saturated with that cultural worldview even without knowing that we're being saturated with it. it's very yeah. Very interesting. Another example of this was a few years ago. Um, there's a competition in Europe called Eurovision. There's a, a new parody movie with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams on Netflix about it, entitled Eurovision. And it's it's interesting, but it's um, you talk about the most liberal of all worldviews. Um, well, there was a Swedish singer a few years ago, Mons Zelmerlo. Okay, um, he won this this competition. Uh, as the Sweden Swedish singer, and he wins this competition. It's a big deal. It's 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 very popular. They this competition produced the group ABBA a few, I guess, many years ago now. But what he said about homosexuality a few years ago is he had the opinion, and he claimed it isn't equally natural for men to want to um, be together. And he said because it doesn't lead to reproduction. Now he was 
absolutely raked over the coals and had to not just come out and apologize for the statement um, of his own beliefs, but he had to, uh, he went as far as to even saying that he would consider homosexuality if it led to that. Why do I bring that up? Well, he goes back to this identity statement. Mm -hmm. He's got to be true to himself. He can only be true to himself, though, if it's not harming to someone else. Yeah. Right? He can't be true to himself in his, in his own statement. Now, we want to see justice. We want to see mercy. We want to see equality, right? Scripture speaks to these mm -hmm. things, and, and we don't want to miss that. But what's, what's so difficult for our kids today is you have to have one stance, and that is full inclusivity, or you're, you're really in the wrong. Yeah. And, we, and we'll you hit these other things with special media to freedom, happiness, power, and history. Yeah. Um, but, but that is, it's, yeah. it's really, really difficult. And you know, when we think about the impact that this is having on our, on our kids and just um, nationally, what this essentially sets us up to is this identity that is incredibly fragile. And this is what, what Michael Keller talks about. You know, that if we're, if our identity is always able to change and we're looking um, to define ourselves from things that are going on on the outside, that leaves us in this incredibly insecure and fragile place that any challenge to what we believe, anybody that comes in and says, well, no, like, I don't believe that, so you can't believe that, um, it offends us, right? Just like, just like your example right there, where we become offended by everything because it, 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 connects so much to our identity and who we are right um and and what we see then is that kind of fragility in our identity leads to things like anxiety depression um, because we don't know who we are um, or we believe that we can change at all times right and man does that leave us on an a, a slippery slope and and not a solid footing you know, uh, recently Amy Coney Barrett was was um, appointed to the Supreme Court, and she went through a rigorous process, just like all Supreme Court justices do, as far as their hearings and confirmation. And it was really interesting because she is a believer; she's of uh, of Catholic faith, and she has children. She's you know um, been a mother, and she's also been a working professional which in so many ways is, is a blessing and shows progress mm -hmm. within the U.S. Um, however, one of the things and sticking points um, that has come up was her faith. Mm -hmm. And this was really interesting, and Josh Hawley, one, our, our senator um, and a Republican from, from Missouri, made this comment, and I thought this was, was really interesting, and, and you know, regardless of the, the side of the aisle you're on, I, I'd be very curious to get opinions on this statement, but... He said, uh, in the questioning of her religious faith, he said this is an attempt to bring back the days of the old religious test, which is a historical reference to people who had to have um, a test on religion before they could vote or hold office. He said the freedom of conscience and religious liberty undergirds all of our other rights because it tells us, tells, excuse me, the government that it cannot tell us what to think or who we can assemble with or how we can worship. So again, he's saying that if we are poking holes at people's religious belief, that all of a sudden we can or cannot worship with certain mm -hmm. people. And 
hey, we have the freedom of religion, right? Yeah. I mean, that is that is who we are. Yes. Um, in the Civil War, uh, on our money and, and on other um, national places, we began to use the phrase, in God we trust. Mm -hmm. Religious nature is with is who we are as Americans, and that, that is part of the worldview, but it's the stripping away and it's, it's the breaking down of this that we have to be aware of because in some cases it is good to be progressive and it is good to, to make sure that we're seeing um, people move in the right direction. It's great that we have someone who is a believer and is a mother and a working mother and, and a female voice that will be a strong voice on the Supreme Court. On the other hand, we have to be incredibly careful that we are not um, condemning things just to our liking because, well, they don't fully agree with the identity of, of what we want to share with the world. Yeah, yeah, it's a really tough balance, and it's hard to teach our kids that, and it's hard for us to work out in our own um, minds and in our own hearts. And, you know, I would say overall like when when we have to look outside of ourselves to find who we are that's something that can always change and that can always be manipulated um and and that leaves us feeling incredibly lost and incredibly confused which again is why i think you're seeing the rates of the anxiety and the depression increase like they are because we don't know who to look for to give us that identity because even our parents now are saying and I don't mean our parents within this community, but now even parents are saying like, hey, you can identify however you want to identify. Right. You do not have to identify how we identified you at birth. Um, and, you know, we look to our parents to give us a template for how life works. Right. And even that is being changed and fluctuated. And, and Well, and at Kirk Day School, we do believe in structure. Yes. We do believe in structure for children. We know that that is good. We know that children thrive in structure. And why do I bring that up? Well, I mean, my goodness, if children need structure, they also need the structure of a worldview. Mm -hmm. And they need something to, to be principled upon. And when you look, you know, at Matthew chapter 7, you know, the Lord talks about the fact that when the man who was wise built his house on the rock, and when the winds and the rains and the storms came, the house was not shaken and the foundation wasn't shaken because he built his house on the rock. And our kids are going to be flooded with this. And one of the things that, that Michael Keller says is when we're looking at identity, the core of who we are, we have to show our students, we have to show our children that these narratives exist. They exist mm -hmm. in popular culture. They exist in areas that we don't identify and that they are hollow and that they will fall apart. And those are the three things that we'll say for all three of these. The narrative exists, they are hollow, and they will fall apart. What has not fallen apart since its writing is Scripture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to continue to, to teach our children, and we have to help them understand and identify. It is okay to explore things. It is okay to identify areas that, that we're drawn to. It's okay to say I'm drawn to the arts or I'm drawn to politics or I'm drawn to, to sports. What's not okay is when all of a sudden we're sacrificing the Lord to uplift mm -hmm. ourselves, mm -hmm. and that becomes idolatry, and that becomes an area throughout Scripture that is never approved of. Yeah, and you know, that reminds me of one of the things you always tell us as teachers and as staff, feel your feelings and trust God with the results, right? And what our culture has basically done is said, just feel your feelings and yeah. trust yourself with the results, um, which we're broken, messed up humans, and we were never meant to carry the load that we're trying to carry. 
um, to fill out our identity and fill out our shape of who we are. Um, and you know, one of the things that we always talk about when uh, we, we talk about things in our culture, always asking a question, um, you know, what is good about this? What is bad about this? What is confusing? And what does the Bible say? And those are four questions that I try and ask myself and that, you know, as we continue to talk through these five things and even talk through parts of our culture, like those are always on our mind, those kind of five questions to help us understand because we don't want to come on and say, all culture is bad, put yourself in a bubble, run away. Um, But we do know that ultimately our culture lacks so much in, um, in its ability to fulfill us. Um, And we have to look to the Lord for that. So um, our time here is wrapping up, but one of the things that I would say is there are a lot of subcategories to this identity mm-hmm, to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say it's the crushing of the American dream mm-hmm. if you don't allow people to identify um, as themselves. Others would say that, that you know it could move into social Darwinism, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a strong movement in the late 1800s when there was a, a wealth gap where the 99% controlled, uh, or 80% of the population controlled 99% of the wealth. There, there are all sorts of things that, that we could look at, but what we're trying to say is our identity has to be rooted and founded in Christ, mm-hmm. that he calls us to a greater purpose for his glory. Mm-hmm. That is what we're saying, and that regardless of politics, regardless of those things, we have to protect that we can identify as Christians. We can identify as imperfect beings who are trying to be made perfect in sanctification through Jesus. And if we don't have that, then we cannot follow the Lord. We cannot live out what we are being called to live out. And that is a core belief. That is a theological belief of who we are. So next week we'll look at freedom and happiness um, as well. And we will go from from there. So uh, parents, we thank you so much for for listening. Uh, We we look forward to your feedback on this. uh, And we are just grateful that we are able to be in school, able to produce these podcasts, and able to partner with you for uh, the benefit of your children. And so we will talk to you soon.